We are continuing our study through, uh, through the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, we're in chapter 14. So flip in your Bible to chapter 14 of Acts. You'll have a few moments to, to get there before we really get cooking with some gas here. It's also in your, uh, uh, your scripture journals. If you're new here, we have scripture journals, which is our text on, on the one side, and then it's got areas for you to write. I know some of you are really big-time note-takers, so those are helpful. So flip to Acts 14. By way of introduction, let me, let me ask you, how many of you are interested, would be inspired by the thought of being part of a successful on-mission church? Does that appeal to anybody? Okay, I got one hand. Marcus is on board. Marcus is on board. I mean, how many of you would be, we, we asked Pastor Mark to, to uh, become a pastoral candidate. He's on probation for, I think that's the first time, right? We should have asked you that. So he's never been on, but he's on a probationary period for a year. So you imagine we sit him down and we say, we don't think this is going to work. <laughs> we want you to join the team, but the ship is sinking. And uh, we're not going to make it. We're not going to reach the community with the gospel. People are rarely, if ever, going to be saved. We don't believe there will be very many baptisms, and people are not going to grow in grace. This, it's like, no, I don't uh, I love you guys, but I don't know if I want to put my energy into, into doing that. I want to be part of a of a successful church moving forward, marching forward, accomplishing what God has called it to, to accomplish. That's good. That's good. You know, when you first start coming to church, you, you start, every one of us, including me, everyone here, Pastor Mark, Pastor Simon, and our wives, we, we're thinking, does this church fit me, fit us? This is what we're looking for. Then you kind of find out, it's like, yeah, okay, cool. But then as you start coming week after week, and then you become a member, and you join, and you, all of a sudden you start seeing it as bigger than just like, does this fit me? It's like you start catching the vision of the mission. Like, I, I want to see this thing go forward. Other people to experience the gospel and, and to be saved. And you get excited, and you begin to think in terms of what do we need to do to be more effective? What do we need to do to be more successful? You begin to think about programs, and what if we did this, and what if we changed that, and what if we went and, and tried this, and looked into this, and all that's good. Like, we, we, that thrills us when people are excited, because this isn't just, you know, when you first come, you say, oh, tell me about your church. So we tell you about New Hill, and then after a week, or two, or three, or six, they start saying, do, do we do this? Do, do, does our, our we start talking about our my church it excites us want to have success and then there are some that feel called into into deacon type ministry where you start taking on leadership and various ministry tasks and and then you start thinking more about the church and what's you know, what's goofy? This, we, guys, we're duplicating our energies here. We could streamline this. And you start thinking in terms of that and how to be more effective. And some uh, of, of you guys may be called up into, into eldership or maybe, you know, one of our dreams would be to plant 
churches in our area, Medina County for sure, and around. And maybe God's going to raise up elders, and elders really start thinking along these lines. It's a consuming thing. That's one of the one of the ways, one of the tests that we look for in a guy is like, does he think along those lines? Is, is how do we take this pearl of great price, this message of the gospel, and how do we amplify it? How do we, how do we speed this process of reaching the lost with the gospel? And you start to think about success and accomplishments and mile markers and, and those sorts of things. Oh, that's good. As long as we understand what that means. What, is, what does that look like? In American Christianity, the last 200 years, it's, it's been not too bad. It's not been, it's not been too bad. You, you build your church, you get a nice facility built, you... You do nice things for nice people, and you get along, and that's success. Failures when the church splits or some something terrible happens, but in in America, the formula has been pretty straightforward. You have your services, and then you you chart it by okay, how many went to Sunday school? Okay, and when pastors get together, say, hey, how's your Sunday school doing? How you? How are you working uh, as far as, or how, how many are you running in church on Sunday mornings? And how many small groups do you have? And, and now we get to talk about, oh, what's your Instagram reach? And, oh, we've got this many impressions and this and this. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. Oh, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. But we start in America, it's, it's, like, it's like that. And I want you to know that that's not normal. That's not normally what it's looked like for 2,000 years for the advancement of the gospel to penetrate unreached people groups. It doesn't always look like nice things being done by nice people for nice people. I don't really know what to say about the last 200 years in America. It's like this little weird bubble that sure looks to me like is either about to pop or has popped. And we're, I think, going to be the generation, the first one in 200 years here, that's going to experience, praise God, what it's really like to see successful gospel advancement. And this is what it looks like. We're going to get into our text here in Acts chapter 14. But what you'll see is that successful gospel advancement, what's it look like? It's marked with controversy, frustration, suffering, and salvations. Now, who's with me, right? Yeah. I like to be frustrated. Can we throw that up on the screen here? There you go what we're called to you say well that's not what it's looked like my whole life i don't know what to tell you again america was going to be an interesting footnote in in history because it was not normal this is what it looks like to be successful in china 
as a missionary. This is what it looks like in Venezuela. This is what it looks like in Afghanistan right now to be on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like. And that's what it's always looked like. And um, it's going to begin to look more and more like this in America. You say, well, man, I want to check out. This would probably be the time to do that. This would probably be the time to do that where you can still save face. Because this is what it's certainly starting to look like. Last year, there were states in this country that was, were telling us that you either can't meet, or if you do meet, you can't sing, you can't preach. I don't know really what you're supposed to do. You know what? In Canada, pastors arrested, on and on. So, welcome to the real world. So, let's flip to Acts 14 so we can see that what I'm telling you is the pattern of that we find in the book of Acts and in the scriptures. Now, Pastor Michael didn't give me a little chunk to chew on here. We got a lot to get through. Hope nobody has a lot of plans this afternoon because we got to get through the whole chapter here. Nobody's laughing. I know I get so serious and it's like, is this guy joking or what is he doing right now? We're not going to be here all afternoon, just maybe a little bit into the, no, just kidding. Remember, Paul and Barnabas are now together, being sent out on their first great missionary journey. Starting in verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a great way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Let's, let's open up in prayer here. Lord Jesus, you have saved us and we have your people have a loyalty to you. We love you and we feel, we sense a loyalty to you. We want to follow you. And so whatever that means, whatever that looks like, I guess that's what it means and that's what it's going to look like. I pray that we have our expectations biblically adjusted. That we have our hearts checked as to what's motivating us as we move into ministry. And I pray that we never allow the way of the world to skew our understanding of what a successful ministry and successful church looks like. We praise you, we honor you, and I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, we pray this morning be the morning of their salvation, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So here we go. Paul and Barnabas takes off for Iconium. 
They entered together into the synagogue. You would see these Jewish synagogues scattered from place to place. It is interesting that it appears that that's the first step that they would take. If they arrived somewhere, they would look to see if there was some sort of synagogue. It was still a, it was kind of a transition period between the what some would call the the Jewish aeon and the, the church aeon. This is kind of blending. So their first inclination is to do that, and that's what they did. They spoke in a great way, and a great number, both the Jews and the Greeks, believed. They believed the gospel. They're saved. They're hearing the word of God preached to them in a way that is clicking. Many of us have experienced that. You've heard the word of God, and then one Sunday something clicks, and it all of a sudden now you're saved, right? Like many of them believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. The controversy. It's, it's controversy that's not based in a proper articulation or argument based upon what the apostles were actually saying. They weren't debating the actual issues. There was this insertion of poison. And now there's controversy. Putting words in their mouth, no doubt. Twisting the message of the gospel. Saying that these people are, are believing this, or they're cannibals, or they're this, or they're this, or this. There's controversy. Preachers need to hear this. When you preach the word of God... Your words will be twisted by the world and misrepresented. You, like there is nothing that we are going to be able to say that if it were to be reported by the Medina Gazette or by News Channel 3 or CNN, that we're going to, odds of us walking away going, well, you know, they were fair with what we said, are like almost zero. That never happens. It is frustrating. And it comes with the territory. We will be misrepresented. There will be poison injected into the conversation. Be aware of it. It boggles my mind, the things that are said about us. It's like, how are you getting that from what we're saying? We're saying that we're all sinners, that we're all staying guilty before God equally, and that there is a that there is a judgment coming and that there's a place for hell for every single one of us. And Jesus came and died and paid for the sins of God's people. All those who would believe their sins are, are atoned for, they're forgiven. And, and, then, and then whoever receives him, they're given the power to be the sons of God. Doesn't You just hate gay people. It's like, where, what, what just happened here? Where, how are you getting hate and that it's somehow like really bad for them out of what we just said? This controversy. And it's not fair. It's not logical. It's not reasonable. They're not playing on an equal playing field. Just, just know it's what happens. It's gonna happen. They poisoned the minds against the brothers. So they remained there for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord. 
know what's going to happen. This is what's, they're not saying, whoa, we better just tap the brakes. We're slow our roll here. Being misunderstood. A lot of controversy. We don't want people to think we're, we're whatever. So we better just, just, just uh, water this down a little bit. Make sure everybody knows we're, we're harmless. That, that's not what the apostles did. They just kept preaching boldly. Speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace. They just kept pointing back to that message, grace, within the context of your sin. So God's grace, they just keep boom, boom, boom. Granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. I mean, God is validating all of this. But the people of the city were divided. In spite of the preaching, in spite of the clarifications, in spite of the signs and wonders, there's still division here. There's still confusion. It's the, the, the minds of these people have been clouded and blinded. Half of them, at least, approximately. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with the rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, into the surrounding country. There they continued to preach the gospel. It's like same day, or no, no, different day, same, same thing. Same message. Well, when we're with these people, we're going to stress this over here. And we're with this group here. We're going to talk about these things because this really pulls well with this demographic. It's like, no. This is what it looks like. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. There's controversy. You bring clarity. The controversy's still there. You, you provide evidence, signs and wonders and so forth. There's still controversy, but you keep hammering the gospel. You say, well, this doesn't look very successful. These people are divided. There's controversy. Somehow, for some reason, these guys are being misunderstood, mischaracterized, and they're about to stone them, half that are mad. I didn't, I'm not signing up for that. I, I, again, this would be the time to, to check out. Because this, this doesn't cost you anything yet. It's going to start costing us, I believe. But this, this is it. It's not weird. It's not unusual. So they do. They take off and they continue to preach the gospel. Now in Lystra, look at verse 8. Now in Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome, right? Yes. That, that's phenomenal. The crowd saw what Paul had done. They lifted up their voices 
saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priests of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance uh, to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to uh, to offer sacrifice with the crowds. How silly of these people, right? Well, when we tell people that it's important to study the Bible, obviously that starts with reading our Bible. But our Bible is written in a historical context, and it's just terribly interesting to understand. You know, it says here, the first part here in in, uh, verse, uh, what was that, in verse 3, in Iconium, they were doing signs and wonders. Nobody was trying to make gods of Paul and Barnabas there. What, what, why here in Lystra? Well, good, good question. I'm glad that you're paying attention here. What is going on here? There was a legend for, for hundreds of years at least, legendary, of this area, that one day Zeus and Hermes manifested as old men and walked amongst these people. And asked for help. And, and house after house after house after house turned them away. But there was this one old couple that received them and was hospitable to them and took them in and fed them and whatever, cared for them. And then Zeus and Hermes manifested themselves and made a temple out of their house and burned everybody else's houses down. Whoa. And as a matter of fact, about 50 years before Paul and Barnabas were there, a poet named Ovid wrote a poem that was very well-read and very popular. It kind of put Lystra, this is kind of like a, like we're important, like this actually happened here. Right? And it was a very popular poem. You probably could, there's fragments of it. We know about it. That's the context. So remember that. That's what they think happened in their hometown. And now Paul and Barnabas show up. Now, with that in mind, think what they're thinking. There's this dude who can't walk, his feet are goofed up, he's never walked. Paul looks at him and says, get up, and he gets up. What would you think, right? It's no, these are pagans, you know. So, Paul and Barnabas, of course, they don't probably speak Lyconium, at least not well. So it doesn't appear that they're initially understanding what's happening here. When the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, by the way, that's interesting that Paul, that Bar, I mean, we're not going to camp here, but that Barnabas is, is labeled an apostle. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they understood what was going on, they, they picked up on it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd saying, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. 
In past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. So you've got, you've got a problem here. We're preaching the gospel of salvation in Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the, the, the promised second coming of Jesus, the relief of sin. They perform this great miracle, and the people misunderstand it drastically, uh, terribly. You don't worship the apostles. You, you, don't, you don't worship men. You, you don't do that. This is like a big deal. It's not like, ha, 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 cute little pagans. Ha, ha. No, 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 no. Stop what you're doing right now. Stop your paganism. You say, well, that's not very, very culturally sensitive. You know what I mean? They were raised. No. Knock it off, Paul and Barnabas says. It's wrong what you're doing. It's blasphemous what you're doing. Stop it. And then Paul, we have this little mini sermon, at least a synopsis of the sermon that he gave to them. This is ministry. People, they do, they come in with all kinds of baggage and philosophies and thinking, and I was raised to believe this, and I believe my grandma you know, she died, and every time I see a blue bird show up on the window, I know it's my grandma, and, you know, all, all this stuff do people think, or I pray to Mary, or I do this, or, I, you know, I, I, uh, whatever, you know, just, I mean, there's just a million examples. I'm into this sexuality, or I think I'm a girl, or uh, they come in, they come in, and we want them to come in, knowing that they've got unbiblical thoughts. An unbiblical worldview, right? That's not the problem. The misunderstanding, that's, that's not a frustration in ministry. I'll tell you where it does get frustrating, where you preach the gospel, you, you clarify the things, and you, you get, it's kind of like, okay, like I'm listening to you, and then they go right back out into it. Growth and change doesn't just always happen real quick. Mark and Simon's in the back. We gotta, we have this as elders and pastors. We gotta, gotta remember how how frustrating that is to work because it's a labor. As you get those of you. You start teaching in this Sunday school in the children's church, or you start doing leading in small groups, or if we get a wanna going in the church, or if we whatever. It takes energy, it takes prayer, it takes study, and you pour out into people. You do it. And they go back to the pig slop. <laughs> what do you do? I'm telling you, that is so hard. That is so hard. And uh, many guys have burned out of ministry over that kind of stuff. 
because they have in their head this picture of success. That if I'm good enough, if I can preach effectively enough, if I'm diligent enough, if I do enough visitation, if I go do this and this, then these people, it's like add water, you mix, and now you've, you've got growth and maturity, and we're all, you know, onward Christian soldiers out the door, and it doesn't always happen like that. Imagine how frustrated Paul must have been. He's a man. As he said, I'm a man. Paul's not Jesus. He's preaching to them. He's explaining to them. I mean, you got to think initially, Paul's looking at this as a tremendous opportunity, right? They recognize supernatural power. Good, good. I want you to know that, but I want you to know where it came from. And man, he probably felt like he knocked it out of the park, preaching to them, pow, pow, pow. And then they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Let's keep going. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. Uh, I read this book called My Best Life Now, and I, I don't remember that part. Supposing that he was dead. They beat him, what they saw, they beat him to death. When the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed to them, or committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. What does successful ministry come with? This right here is certainly something we're not accustomed to in America. You say, again, I don't know what what this is, America. But it doesn't look like it's lived very long. This is not shocking to our Christian brothers in Vietnam. They look at that and they go, yeah, that probably makes sense to me. It's preaching the gospel. Do you understand what stoning is? Get real. It, it, It is one of, I can hardly think of a way of dying that's more brutal than that. I hesitate to use the word barbaric because it's actually ordered by God in the Old Testament, not the barbarians, but that's kind of a word that I think of, barbaric. You put the guy down, kind of like in a, well, you can do it however you want to do it, but some kind of pit or some kind of trench or whatever, And it's what you think it sounds like. You get the men together, and they pile up rocks, and they take him, and they they beat him with them. It's almost like, like have you ever seen chimpanzees go crazy on something and kill? Like, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Being stoned to death. You don't want that. 
crack after crack after crack to your head and to your ribs and your chest to your dead. And they did that to Paul. Now, remember, Paul wrote the Epistle of Galatians, which is this region, and he talks about how he bears the sign of Christ in his body. I believe it's in chapter 6. It's probably what he's talking about here. Like they probably know that. You say, what drives this? It is the human depraved heart that does not want to hear that their gods are false. That their ways are false. That they must abandon their old traditions and their old ways of thinking. And we're no different. Just different traditions, different philosophies. And it happens today. This is not an ancient thing. In fact, stoning still happens today to Christians. I don't know if it's been easy to be a Christian in America. Maybe you can make an argument that, that we've goofed it up so much that it's not even hardly the Christian life. This is what it looks like oftentimes. They beat him so bad they thought he was dead. The disciples gathered about him. He rose up and entered the city. He went back in. And on that day, went on with Barnabas to Derby, and they preached the gospel. Notice that. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It's like I wake up, I'm a little bit sleepy on Sundays. It's just so hard. It's like, this is real life. These people have encountered the Lord. They've encountered Jesus. And he has changed their life. And put them on mission. And said, I, this is the purpose and the meaning of your life. Follow me. And that's what it looked like for them. And it wasn't like, hey, you just got my little religion. It's your little religion. This is everything. Even if it kills me, I'm not going to stop. It's too important. His glory and his name being announced to the heathen and to the Gentile and to the pagans is too important. Their salvation is too important. I've got one life to live. I'm not going to waste it on stupidity. So they go keep on preaching the gospel. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. Encouraging them to continue in the faith. And saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. We're out of time here. Some of you never heard that before. Jump to verse 24. Then they passed through Poseidon and came to Pamphylia and they had spoken the word of per, uh, in Perga and they went down to Itilia. I don't know if I'm saying these names right. God, God knows. He knows these places. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. The work that they had fulfilled. That sounds like success, right? doesn't say it was unfulfilled. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Notice he goes back to Antioch. He's given them this report. It's 
you just pick up on this is positivity. Like, this was good. This was good what we just did. This was a success. Mission accomplished. The door is now open to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. Look at their perspective on this. They could not wait to go back. Paul was stoned basically to death, except for he didn't die. They thought he was dead. They couldn't wait to get back there to tell them about how awesome God was on that trip. The great things God did. Man. I I don't know what they would have thought a bad trip would have looked like. I guess a bad trip would have been, we went out there, we wet our pants, we watered down the message, we quit preaching, we acted foolish, we put on a show, everybody thought we're cool, and wasted our time, and they're all still going to hell. (laughs) Successful gospel advancement is marked with controversy, frustration, suffering, and salvations. That's it. That's what we're called to. Now, who's with us? Let's pray. Mar- uh, uh, Nelson, if you want to come and we're going to sing another song or something together. Lord Jesus, help us to keep in mind what is real and what is true and what matters. You've saved us. You've changed us. You've set us on a, on, a, on a course for heaven, and you've promised to get us there. We love you. We love you. And, and, and your people say we, we're loyal to you, and we want to serve you in our generation, in what we're looking at now, so that way the nations will hear your name. And your people will be saved. Whatever that means for us in particular, help us to know that it will not be easy, that you've not called us to an easy life. You've not called us to, um, to a, always some kind of prosperous life. You've called us to a joyful life in the midst of pain as we're in battle, pushing forward your mission of the gospel we experience that joy and that peace in the midst of the trial through many tribulations you are with us you will never leave us or forsake us and that is enough that's enough we're so thankful for you this morning in Jesus name Amen